Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved of the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And
to follow thy blessed saints and all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those unspeakable joys which thou hast prepared for those who unfeignedly love thee. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, whereof we The Old Testament lesson appointed for this festival of all saints comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 25. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the leaves, of fat things full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the leaves. And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people, and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation.
multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. God. 
Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation today is a parallel passage of Matthew chapter 5. It comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Here ends our text. We celebrate All Saints' Day today. This feast recalls the memories of all the faithful departed and the triumph of Christ over every false god. Our celebration of All Saints' Day stems from a belief that there is a powerful spiritual bond between those in heaven, that is the church triumphant, and the living, we who are the church militant. We see it in the readings. The gospel depicts the blessed in the world. The epistle reading is a glorious vision of the church in the heavenly world. All Saints Day is a necessary reminder for us. If we would be in heaven, where the glorified saints are, then we must be blessed here on earth. As St. Paul says, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. And so, we will learn today from Luke's Gospel how we shall avoid the woes of our Lord and remain blessed by his grace. The first thing we will talk about are the woes. The second thing we will talk about are the blessings. Jesus first gives the Beatitudes and then the woes. We're going to work our way backward, starting with the woes and ending with the Beatitudes. What does Jesus mean when he says, woe to you? When Jesus says, woe, he is saying that those who fall under this woe will experience great hardship and intense distress. Woe here could also be translated as a disaster like in Revelation chapter 9, where Abaddon sends his locusts to torment unbelievers. Their torment is so great that the Bible says that in those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. This is called in Revelation the first woe. Woe means eternal hardship and distress. To have a woe spoken over you is a spiritual disaster. Those who have a woe spoken over them shall seek an end to their suffering, but shall not find it. Even physical death shall not end this woe, because they will experience this woe also in hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus says that certain people are under a woeful judgment. Therefore, we ought to flee from everything that would put us under this woe, and we should repent of everything that would put us under this judgment. 
In catechism class, we call this the binding key. Jesus preaches woe. That is, he does not forgive, but rather condemns and binds the sins of those who do not repent. Jesus, in this text, gives us an example of how the binding key is used in a general way. Jesus rebukes sin in these woes, and he threatens eternal damnation to those who do not repent. And he preaches to all in a general way. He doesn't name names, so to speak. The pastor does the same thing when he preaches to the law. To those who mouth the words of confession, but who are not sorry for their sins, they are not forgiven. Rather, their sins are bound to them. This is true of anyone who is listening to the sermon. I may not know who or where or how you are impenitent, but God does, and he binds and he retains sins even if I don't specifically name you. This is good, and it's necessary preaching. We want God, through his preacher, to warn us, so that way he will not speak an eternal woe over us later. But the Church of Christ ought not only bind the sins of the impenitent in a general way. Those who refuse to repent are often not moved by the general use of the binding key. And so Jesus, in Matthew chapter 18, orders us to apply the binding key to individuals, to name names. Go to them privately. If they don't repent, bring two or three witnesses. And finally, bring it to the church, to the local congregation. And if they still do not repent, you are to treat them as you would a tax collector or a sinner. We call this excommunication. God gave and ordered his, us, his church, to excommunicate the impenitent for two reasons. First, so that the sinner might be saved by being ashamed and by repenting of his sins. Excommunication is there to bring about repentance. Second, so that the rest of the congregation might fear to commit such great sins, which would put them under such a woeful judgment of damnation and hell. By such general and specific uses of the keys, God saves us and others by warning and rebuking us, so that way we don't fall under the eternal woe of God's judgment and anger. We've talked about woe. We know from our text that God speaks woe over people. God damns and he sends people to hell. We want to avoid hell. So what kind of things does Jesus pronounce a woeful judgment over? Well, we hear it in our text. Those who are rich, full, laughing now, and spoken well of. These people are woeful. How are those who are rich woeful? It's not because they're rich. Riches are not sin. Many great saints in the Bible were wealthy. So what does rich mean here? It means that if you put your trust in your riches and you forget about the life to come, you are under woe. The prophet Amos speaks very clearly 
about this sinful trust in riches and the woe that it brings. He says, Woe to you who put far off the day of doom, who cause the seat of violence to come near, who lie on beds of ivory, stretch out on your couches, eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who drink wine from bowls and anoint yourselves with the best ointments, but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. If you put your trust in your bank account, and if you rest securely in your pension, if you enjoy all of the nice things in this world, but you take no pity for the church of Christ, which is afflicted at every turn, you put far from your mind the day of doom, the day of judgment, woe to you. How are those who are full and laughing woeful? Jesus is not simply talking here about being full in a physical sense. And he's not talking about rejoicing. So what does full and laughing now mean? Well, it means those people who are living at ease and after the pleasures of the flesh. Jesus, through the prophet Isaiah, almost says the same sort of woes verbatim. Isaiah says, But you are those who forsake the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, who prepare a table for fortune, and who furnish a drink offering for destiny. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servant shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servant shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servant shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for sorrow of heart and wail for grief of spirit. When you live at ease in this world and you are full of delicacies, then you are woeful. When you put your trust in fortune and in destiny, those false gods, then you are woeful. When you are full of the goods of this life, but you don't long for the eternal heaven of our God, then you are woeful. When all of the things of this life give you happiness and joy, but church and Bible study and the sermon are a drag, then you are woeful. Why does Jesus call those who are spoken well of woeful? doesn't mean that we shouldn't desire a good reputation. I mean, that's what God commands in the Eighth Commandment, and it's what we pray for in the Fourth Petition. What Jesus here is condemning about those people who are spoken well of is the ambition and the vain glory when people go about by all means to get favor and worldly pomp. If all men speak well of you, then you are a woeful coward. Because people are going to hate you for what you believe and for what you confess. If they don't, then you are in the same category as the false prophets. They told everybody what they wanted to hear, and people rewarded them for it. The people gave the false prophets honor and fame and money and the like. But they had their reward in this life, 
and they now burn in hell. If you are afraid to speak of Christ or to be viewed as one of those weird Christians, then you are woeful. Charles McKay said it best. You have no enemies, you say. Alas, my friend, the boast is poor. He who has mingled in the fray of duty that the brave endure must have made foes. If you have none, small is the work that you have done. You've hit no traitor on the hip. You've dashed no cup from perjured lip. You've never turned the wrong to right. You've been a coward in the fight. Don't be a coward. Don't be a coward in this great fight between light and darkness, God and the devil, Jerusalem and Athens. Because if you are, then you're as damned as the false prophets. I have spoken of the woes and how we ought to avoid them lest we be damned. What are the Beatitudes? The word Beatitude simply means blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? The church and the world often speak of blessings. When something good happens, we say things like, I'm so blessed. And if you're on Twitter, you might see people tweet hashtag blessed. The worldly definition of blessing is that God has given you an abundance of good earthly things. But is that how Jesus speaks of being blessed? In our text today, we see that to be blessed is to be poor, hungry, sad, hated, excommunicated from the world's community, reviled, and thought of as evil. That's what Jesus says. To be poor is to recognize that we are poor in spirit, That means that we know ourselves to be void of all righteousness and goodness and that we may seek it only in Christ our Savior. And Christ became poor so that we might be enriched with every good spiritual gift in this life and with eternal riches in the next. What does it mean to be blessedly hungry? To be hungry is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. This means to desire godly, divine things first. It is to live out the fact that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. It means to go hungry when you're talking to somebody about Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers, because to do our Father's will is our meat and our drink. It is to pray to God for heavenly, divine wisdom, So that way we can lead our families and our communities in godly ways rather than asking for money or for power or for even a long life. It means being more ready and willing to read a chapter of the Bible than to read a Dean Kuntz novel or to play an hour of Fortnite. It means to memorize a verse of scripture or a good Lutheran hymn before you memorize those dogger reels we hear on the radio. That's what it means to be blessedly hungry. And Jesus fills you right here, right now. You have the scriptures, the bin of flour which will never, ever run out while you live. 
You can eat and eat and eat of this manna from heaven, and you will never, ever exhaust it. And one day when you die, or Christ comes back, you shall be filled to the brim with Christ's righteousness forever and ever. What does it mean to be blessedly sad? It doesn't mean that Christians mope around town. No, it means that you, in your heart of hearts, see your own misery. You know how sinful you are and that you do the evil that you don't want to do and that you don't do the good that you want to do. It means that you feel the struggle between the sinful flesh and the sinless spirit going on in your heart each and every day. And for the one who knows and recognizes his sadness, God himself comes to comfort him. God comforts the one who mourns with his son Jesus, who atoned for every sin. So yes, be sad. Be sad over your sins and your weaknesses and your faults, because blessed is your sadness. For Christ comes to comfort you with his word and with his pledge, his own body and blood. The last bits of blessedness are the clearest. You will be hated, excommunicated from the world's community, reviled and thought of as evil. People will hate you when you stand for what the Bible says. They will excommunicate you from their society for being a Christian. We know people right here, right in our pews, who have been denied promotions and who have lost friends because they refuse to do sinful things, like getting drunk, or cursing with the guys, or going out to a strip club. People will make fun of you for believing in six-day creation, or in marriage as God's ordinance between one man and one woman. People will think that you're weird. That's okay. In fact, that's better than okay. It's blessedness. When you find yourself in these blessed positions, remind yourself of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5 and in Luke chapter 6. When you suffer hardship in this world, when you go through the dark night of the soul, and when you don't fit in with your work crowd because of what you believe, don't take it as a sign that God has abandoned you or that he's far from you. No. On the contrary, rejoice. Rejoice and be glad. Jump for joy. But how? What exactly is this blessedness? Blessedness is the distinctive religious joy which you have because you possess the kingdom of God. You possess eternal salvation. We can and we do endure hatred, the world's excommunication, slander and the like because we know that the kingdom ours remaineth. No one can steal heaven from us. Christ has opened heaven's treasure hoards and he's given these gifts to men freely without cost. Christ has mixed a balm of Gilead for us made up of his own blood and suffering and pain. Christ feeds our hungry hearts with his own flesh and blood, which is given into death for the life of the world. 
we can endure anything that happens in this transitory life because we know that the weight of eternal glory is earned by Christ and that it's given freely to us. We began today by talking about All Saints Day. By faith, we are saints, and we rejoice that the saints in heaven freely enjoy their Sabbath rest. We want to join them there, standing around the throne of the Lamb. And so let us avoid the things that make for woe. And when we flirt or fall into such sins, may God rebuke and warn us by his law. God's law is good because it teaches us that we are poor, hungry, and sad, and that we need Christ to enrich, fill, and comfort us. Christ has done all of these things, and he continues to do these things, because he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.